Giants fans, thanks so much for joining me for another episode of Only a Giant. We have a special guest today, so we're going to kind of just introduce him right away here and kind of get things going. Uh, so I'd like to introduce Scott, who's a, a longtime friend of mine here. Big, uh, big Bengals fan, so thought would be a, a unique opportunity to get his perspective on things. So Scott, welcome, man. Thanks. I'm actually a little upset that I just yelled who day because everyone listening probably already hates me, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. whatever. I, I only get to do it every 30 years or so. So now I, I got to be honest with you. I'm a little confused by that because wasn't that a Saints thing at one point? I don't know. I mean, they say who dat. I, I don't know. I, okay. I I'm just started, gonna... I heard, started hearing it and I was like, is this the Saints? Is this, what's going on here? I'm not. I don't know enough about the lore of the the who D's, <laughs> I guess. But yeah, who D's? I don't know. I it's like something. It. I mean, it's it's better than a really really long chant. You know, it's it's quick. I mean, quick I saw, easy. you know, this, you know, with everything going on with the Bengals actually playing well, I've seen a little more and more people wearing their stuff around, and it's something you can just yell to someone in the parking lot. It's a little easier than like J E T S Jets Jets, you know, it's just longer, you know. <laughs> yeah, so. hey, that's a valid point there. So, you know, obviously, if you've listened to me in the past, and I, I know you kind of know that Scott. So we'll start off with a little little beer, um, beer, you know, beer of the episode, I guess, if you will. So, what are you drinking? What do you got? All right, so I got a. It's from Myers Creek Brewing Company right here in Syracuse, I guess. Essentially, it says brewed in Casanova, but there's a new brewery uh, right near my house. It's uh, Oregon Fruit is my stage name. It is a mango, strawberry, pineapple, and uh, lemon sour ale. So Interesting. I don't know if uh, get that up there. Yeah, Pretty okay. nice looking. Yep. Yeah. I haven't had it yet, so. I'm not, I'm not a huge sour person, so I'll, I'll be interested to see what you think of this. Yeah, I my wife went there, and... She picked up three, four packs for me. One was an IPA. One was a, one of the sours I mentioned, and she grabbed another one. So two sours out of three is a bit much, but, you know. <laughs> Take a sip. Tell me what you think. Mm. Yeah. Have I mean, you had this before first? No, no, I haven't. This okay. is the first time I had it. Um, yeah, first thoughts are it's pretty genuine sour. Um, you know, I'm not sure I can you know, recognize the mango, strawberry, pineapple, and lemon in there. Like, I can't tell which is which, but there's definitely some fruity, fruity feels in there. And, is there uh, anything yeah. that's, like, smacking you in the face, or is it, like, just straight sour, and that's really what's... No, it's, it almost reminds me of, like, a ghost, like, the okay. more, like, sea salty, soury type of thing. Yeah. yeah, it's not... There are some beers that have had some sours where you're almost pucking or puckering your lips, uh, but... Yeah, yeah, this one's good. Like it. And that's what's turned me off with sours a little bit because I've had a lot of sours that straight taste like vinegar. And it's just like, I don't want to drink this. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. No. All right. Vinegar so. beer has not caught on yet, fortunately. <laughs> no, it has not. Tried everything else, but so my beer, Scott, you may you may remember this beer. And if you listened to my last episode, you may already know what it is. Um, but it's a little bit of a blast from the past, uh, from World of Beer days, uh, back when mm. we used to go there a lot. So sure. I have uh, Chocolate Manifesto, which is a yes, yeah. Um, yeah. We I, I don't know remember remember if you drank it a lot. I know Bot and I did a lot. Um, yeah, that's that's a you and Bot type of drink. Yeah. <laughs> stouts, stouts and porters are not not our bag. Yep. But, but I'm gonna open this up here, and uh, I mean, unfortunately, I have already had this, but I just it's a 
it's a special beer. I found it at uh, Fair Deli Market. I don't, I don't know if you remember me telling you about that. Yeah, I heard it in the last podcast. Yep, you mentioned yep. that. So. And uh, I haven't seen this anywhere other than, you know, the big bottles. So the fact that they had it there was amazing. Um, made me very happy. So that's, that's me. All right. So I'm going to take a little drink here and do it up. Yeah, man, it's just thick. It's just, you know, it's very, very thick. It's very chocolatey. Right. Made by Flying Monkey, which I think we talked about too. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a good one. It's, it's definitely not one that you want to have two or three in a night. That's like you have one and, and maybe you just go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's the good thing it's about those, you know, so you don't those, those thicker ones like that. You, you, you drink them a little slower too. Yeah. Yeah. But a good thing with this one is, is like a lot of the like heavier IPAs, the minute they start getting warm, you kind of like lose its luster a little bit. Okay. This will maintain at least a little bit because it's more subtle, more thick, I guess. I don't know. Um, okay cool so let's get right into it i guess um you know we did the beer you know really at this point what i want to do obviously we'll talk about the Bengals, um but i I find it very interesting and i've done this on some previous episodes before where i really like to get an outsider's perspective on what they see from the giants uh what what it looks like to be um a fan of, of the giants from the outside and and what do you see so I guess let's just start off with, you know, we'll, we'll kind of look at it in a broad range of, of looking at the last roughly four years, uh, five years, whatever it was, with Gettleman being the GM for the Giants. And, you know, it starts off with Shermer, um, Judge, you know, wh- what have you seen and, and what's your kind of take on the Giants issues? You know, w- was there ever any hope? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a good exercise because I know that, you know, fans of a certain you know, team or whatever, kind of, you get that perspective of being a fan and you don't really see what outside people see necessarily. And because I do live in Syracuse, um, obviously the Giants games are on and I don't don't watch them as religiously, but, you know, I've seen quite a few of the games over the last, you know, four years you're talking about. And I guess, I mean, obviously Eli's career, when Eli's career comes to an end, you know, and he had a great career for you guys, obviously, you'll take two Super Bowls any day <laughs> yep. so you know his career ends and you know you pass the torch off and that's kind of where I think the the trouble starts and it isn't necessarily like I I have I want to want to have faith in Daniel Jones um I, admittedly I didn't know a ton about him coming out of the draft but I remember I was at your house when they did draft him and I remember it was like you know the general thought was a little bit early in the draft yep. for, for Jones to go um and uh, for, for what it's worth, I do also remember that later that same draft, the Redskins, uh, well, then Redskins, took uh, – Curtis was there, and they yep. ended up taking Dwayne Haskins, and he's just playing out of the league for the most part. I mean, I think he's third he's, string he's somewhere. He's the Steelers right now, um, right. but he can't oh, yeah, beat out uh, – what's his name? Pretty boy. I can't stand him. Mason Rudolph? Mason Rudolph, yeah. I cannot stand yeah. him. Uh, but apparently he can't beat out Mason Rudolph and, and yeah, that's not great. Or I mean, if you couldn't beat out Ben this year, I mean, <laughs> to be true. fair, he was obviously going to finish the season, but yeah. Um, for what it's worth, Jones is at least, you know, still out there, uh, yep. fighting. Um, and I just think, I think it's been a tough shake for him. Um, the first couple of years. And I mean, we'll probably get into this a little more when we talk about the Dable hire, but the first couple of years, at least as far as from, a I don't know. I want to say, I want to say metrics. Maybe that's not the right word perspective. His career and Josh Allen's are actually 
similar in the fact that they both tried to seem like they tried to make too much happen too often in the first couple of years. And that led to a lot of bad decisions, mainly yeah. fumbles and interceptions. I remember, you know, cause my, my father's a bills fan. So I see a lot of those games too. And first couple of years, Allen would always, you know, after the play, the, you know, whatever the initial play is breaks down, he's trying to make something happen. And Jones has done that too. And that's when the first couple of years, he starts throwing something off his back foot, 40 yards, and it's intercepted, or some guy comes up from behind and knocks the ball out. And obviously, you know, Jones did those same things as well. Um, so I think, I think that it starts with, I, you know, you got to figure out the quarterback situation. Yep. Um, because if I'm looking at your team this past season specifically, it feels like you were like, even though your offense was dreadful toward the end of the year, you still kind of were in a lot of the games, like just hanging around. Like one of those where if you, if you, I mean, and I know Jones was injured for quite a few of those games as well, but you know, if you just got a a nice drive, your defense would get some, you know, momentum, maybe get another stop and then you could go down and kick a game winning field goal. Like that could have happened in any game. It feels like, Um, but you know, this year in particular injury, obviously at all of your offensive positions is kind of, kind of another issue, but yeah, the last, the last four years you're talking, it just feels like it's been trying to pass the torch and unsuccessfully. So and I think the offensive line, obviously this year is the biggest thing. And yeah, you know, that was one of the things with Gettleman that, you know, he preached straight from the start and I think he made attempts to fix the offensive line, but I mean, that's still the, to me, that's the biggest issue. Like, I think Jones, you know, you look at Jones, and I'm not sitting here saying that he's anything anymore at this point. I just, I don't know. You know, he's a very, very unknown commodity right now. Um, but for me, like, man, the offensive line, and I've heard other coaches say this, not me personally, but, you know, something I've read or, or you know, seen on Twitter or something like that, saying, like, this year the offensive line was, like, historically bad. Like, not even just, just bad, just historically bad. Like, they've never right. seen – an offensive line so bad before and I think like if you go back to the beginning of the year like Jones was playing pretty pretty good ball um you know he was making plays he had that you know kind of one-handed catch that he that he had on the sideline there's there's talent there right the offensive line is is to me is the biggest issue now I'm not saying that that you fix the offensive line and you fix Jones I'm not saying that but I am saying that you fix the offensive line you give Jones a year to see what he is. Yeah. You give that fair shot that it feels like he just hasn't had. He hasn't. You're right. And you know, I mean, if you're, when you come in as a rookie or second year guy, I mean, there's going to be growing pains and you accept that, but like this year, this was his third year, right? Um, I believe it was, but one, he had two with Shermer three uh, with the lockout year. So this was year four. Oh, four. Okay. Yeah. yeah I was going to say year, the year three. Well, going into this year, I thought that this was maybe, kind maybe of I'm eight. wrong. I don't know. It, I, yeah, I, I could obviously be wrong about that too, but I believe he was from, so. Yeah, because Burrow was 2020, so this would have been his third year. Yeah, okay, yeah, yep. So going into, um, going into year going four. Going into that year three, it's like, that's where, yeah, 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 that's where you really want to see that, that improvement. Because again, you know, they were clearly in kind of a rebuild mode when he first, you know, got the first year or two. And then year three, which was this year, you know, you go out and you spend the money for Galladay. Um, and... You know, you get Saquon back and, you know, I know in the preseason he was still up in the air uh, with yep. his injury, obviously a bad injury the, last year. But, you know, it's just 
if you your offensive line is historically bad and your weapons are all injured, <laughs> um, which are, you know, I, I still think Kenny Galladay, when healthy, go, you know, especially going into last year, when healthy, I see him as a top 15 talent at wide receiver in the league. I think he can do things that not a lot of guys can do, um, you know, the, the contested catches and everything. And and I think that, you know, I, I don't remember who the writer was, but I read an article uh, by Yahoo, a Yahoo writer, in regards to the, the Galladay signing uh, before this past season. And essentially what he was saying was that it felt like a bad fit for Jones because of Galladay's play style. And maybe that's true, but a, a big part of it is the fact that Galladay was hurt the entire preseason and didn't get any practice time with Jones. And the other issue, and I, and I think that this writer, I didn't give him enough credit for it in the beginning, but I think the other issue is that like, Jones is, you know, being his third year now trying to focus on not, not turning the ball over. Cause I know that that's what had been weighing on his mind. I'm sure after those first couple of years mm-hmm. and Galladay isn't a receiver that gets space. He doesn't separate. Exactly. He is, yep. you know, and so what he needed was for Jones to see the one-on-one and just throw it anyway, just throw it over my way. I'll come down with it. Mm-hmm. But Jones didn't have that trust with him because of the preseason. They never, and he's never had a wide receiver like that either. Right, yeah. It's, that's not a, a skill set that the other wide receivers have had. And they've had some, you know, I, I think Shepard is a, a very good wide receiver. I, how long is he under contract for? Uh, well, he just signed a, a contract extension um, last year. Uh, but he's kind of in a situation now where he could very well end up being a cap casualty. Um, he, there's his... His contract, I think if we end up cutting him, saves like five or six mil or seven mil or something like that. And, you know, we're, we're hurting pretty bad right now for um, cap space. So sure, yeah, wouldn't completely shock me if, if he I mean, got caught. Yeah, having you know? got Galladay, Tony, and uh, Slayton and stuff, I feel like you, you have other options there. So it would, would make sense. But, yeah, it's – I don't know. I just, I, I do feel bad for Jones because I, you know, going to New York, get getting drafted early and going to New York, there was a lot of fans that were just angry to begin with, you know, and just, you know, his first couple of years, I feel like people would give him a pass, but year three, you know, you hope that that step is taken. And then, like I said, just between the horrible line injuries to all the skill players, essentially. Yep. Um, and, and Jones himself, obviously. Um, and then throw you know, into like, you know, everyone hate loves to hate Gettleman and, you know, kind of by association that's going to fall on Jones too. Um, sure. That, you know. Right. But yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I can see that if the, so they have, I, I think I heard this on another podcast or something. I'm not going to advertise for them. You should only <laughs> be listening to this podcast. Um, but do the Giants have the fifth and seventh picks this year? Is that yep, what they yep. have? So, I mean, it, that's, this is a tough one because, again, it's like those – that's two picks you could use to really address needs going forward. But that doesn't help Jones this year, you know. Like, if they're going to stick with him, it's unlikely. Even if they got – just let's pretend that the first four picks weren't linemen and they pick up linemen with the fifth and seventh pick and get two of the best linemen coming out of college they're going to take some time to really start to gel and get better. And that's going to take a year that Daniel Jones might not probably doesn't have. Um, yeah. You know, you're right on that, but also I feel like the, the previous coaching staff 
and I, I don't even know that this is a, a slight towards Garrett or if it was just the offense in general or if it was the, I, I don't know, but I feel like they just never set him up for success. Like things that were working sure. in our offense, they would, it seemed like, like, oh, we have success with this pass over the middle or, or, you know, something over to, to Engram. And then you just never see it the rest of the game again. Right. Yeah. Like there was no, it just never seemed like they set him up for success. And that's where, you know, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but that's where I, I at least think we have the coaching staff this year to do something like that. Uh, yeah, I, I would imagine so. Yeah, it it definitely it feels like what like if you have a healthy Saquon and a healthy Galladay, and even like Tony showed some real signs. Like I don't know yeah, when, when I when I first I remember I think it was the Saints game was the first game that I remember seeing Tony really um, like bust out. I I'm trying to remember if it was that game or the game after. I think it was that game that he had like seven for seventy eight or something. But then the game after. That's when Galladay went down and whatever, and it was Tony, and he went off for 10. for. Yeah, I think it was the Saints, and then maybe it was Dallas, or maybe it was vice versa. Mm. Um, no, yeah. I, think it was, I think it was Saints, because that's a game that, that Saquon had that long catch for a touchdown. Yeah, and, and they went to the overtime, and he won. When Galladay went down, and then Barkley on, like, his first carry uh, stepped right. on someone's ankle. Oh, yeah, I remember seeing that. Yeah, his, his ankle, ankle. yeah, it's huge. Yep. yep, and then um, that was a game that Tony really went off, but then got ejected because he threw a punch. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think like watching him just, you know, no jerseys, whatever. I, it, it reminded me of Odell, just the way that when he caught the ball, guys were like trying to touch him. Like it was hard to touch him. Yeah. Um, he might not be like, I, I mean, I'm not sure about this, but he might not be an amazing route runner yet. He might have some things he still needs to learn, but if he catches, if he has the ball and people have to try to touch him, not just tackle him, but even touch him, it seems like it's going to be, pretty difficult so i'd be pretty excited to have I, him yeah on the, he, on the he's roster. someone that he just needs to stay healthy and, and hopefully he can you know keep his head right off the field yeah uh, mm. because he is very talented um i think he, he's a decent route runner i wouldn't sit here and say he's he's the best route runner or anything like that um but he he had he's had some pretty pretty crisp routes last year that i remember uh specifically went on on trayvon diggs who he just toasted um uh, he, he had some pretty good routes last year, but he, he needs to definitely improve that. And any rookie's going to come out of the league is going to have to right. do that. So. Yeah, especially wide receiver is one of the toughest positions for a rookie to come into because not only do you have to learn every you know route, every play in the playbook, but you have to gain some type of rapport with the quarterback. And he didn't even wasn't even starting for the first you know five games or whatever. It wasn't even really in, yeah, in the he next. He played a lot to start, yeah, yeah. especially in, so. in, in preseason and. And, you know, granted, there was some injury stuff going on. So that's his biggest thing. He needs to stay healthy. Um, but that was the whole Giants last year, you know. Right, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I I think that, yeah, like you said, Jones is in an unfortunate situation. But especially because I, I kind of doubt they're going to go out and either spend a bunch of money or, you know, make trades to get to shore up that offensive line that way. It seems like they're going to probably go the draft route which means the guys you take aren't going to be great right away. Probably they're going to need a year or two to really get in, you know, get into their own. And like I said, I just, I kind of feel like if you're a Giants fan, you're looking at this as Jones's like really just prove it year. This yep. like, you, can you be a, even like top 12 quarterback? It, like if, if you can do that this year and then hopefully improve, because you know, Dable's offense is going to be something that, I'm sure over time he's going to get even better and better at, as we've seen with the other quarterback in New York. 
Yeah. Uh, well, not Zach Wilson, but uh, <laughs> the other, the other one. The other one. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I I think that they still, even last year when their offense was dreadful, the defense still always seems to play hard for the Giants. Like they they it's rare for them to put up someone to put up forty. Um, and you know, I'm sure there were a couple games where they were just definitely out of it, but in general, it felt like if they could just do something offensively, the other team was going to get a little nervous, um, which is a lot to say for a team that finished with the fifth worst record uh, in the league. So. Yeah, you know, the, the defense started the year kind of rough, um, but they kind of turned it around, I would say, maybe halfway through the year. And then, you know, a lot of the defense, a lot of the way the defense was playing was like, then don't break because I just think the deep, the offense was just so bad that, you know, maybe they were trying to keep their, you know, their, their defense, you know, somewhat not dead, you know, dead tired, um, right. rotating a lot, um, not bringing a lot of pressure. Um, I don't know though. You know, I, I didn't love how the defense played last year. I don't like this bend don't break style that the giants played, but I also wonder if that was two things, offense being so bad, and and judge kind of having his hand in there too because he's just a conservative conservative coach in general it seems like so you know he's not seeming to be willing or wasn't willing to attack and sure and, you know send send you know any type of exotic blitzes or anything like that and maybe they just didn't have that i don't know but um i would have been happy had graham stayed but we'll get into that in a little bit as well um so in general you know looking at the giants the last four years under Gettleman with Shermer with Judge. It almost seemed like there was a shift in New York um, where it kind of went from like the Giants being the the main team in New York because obviously the Bills were always kind of the Bills and never really could sure. get out of their own way. Same thing, same thing with the Jets. Like even the years that the Jets did they okay. Butt, they butt fumbled everything. They away. were still, exactly. They were still <laughs> the Jets. <laughs> so it almost seems like, you know, and I hate to admit this, uh, but obviously where I am here in Syracuse and, and where you are, um, there's a huge Bills following here, and, and maybe we just we, we see it a little bit more. Um, but it doesn't almost seem like there's a shift in New York, you know, kind of shifting over to Buffalo as being like kind of the more dominant team? I mean, yeah, from, from an on-the-field perspective, I mean, and, and it does come back to pretty – pretty easily you could point to the quarterback at this point and I mean, wins i guess i mean it, it's so well, yeah to say that you know when one team's losing and one team's winning but right i, I mean i just think you, you look at like when you got a guy like josh allen and so I, this was his fourth year um i mean they're gonna have him for another 10 12 15 years whatever um i mean he does play a bruising style of quarterback, but he's just so big that it's hard to imagine. Just like kind of like Cam Newton. I feel like the only thing that can really slow him down is his feet. It doesn't like, you know, a lot of quarterbacks take some heavy hits to the shoulders and upper body. And mm-hmm. you worry that they're going to be down for a bit. Josh Allen, like I, you're worried about the defender when, when uh, he, he runs it, runs into someone. So, yeah, I mean, there obviously are a lot of, a, more Bills fans in our area just because, you know, central New York area yep. rather than, uh, you know, I'm sure obviously the New York City area is still mainly Giants and some Jets in there as well, obviously. But um, yeah, it just, it feels like 
the, the bills are kind of here to stay. feels like they got, I mean, it'll be interesting to see with, with they will gone, how that offense comes together. But I mean, I kind of imagine whoever steps in is going to follow in those footsteps um, and really just let Allen continue to develop. Um, I have to imagine he's pretty close to his ceiling because when he's right, he's playing just, you know, like that Kansas city game, obviously he's playing as good a quarterback as you can possibly actually the game before Kansas city yeah, uh, against new England. And that's against new England, the number two defense in the entire league this year, just didn't make a mistake the entire game. And um, yeah, that was, it's pretty incredible to see what's going on there. And I think, like you said, it, the giants, they, they started the rebuild and it, it feels like it's taken a bit longer. Um, but with, you know, with the division they're in, I, I mean, while there are certainly Dallas, you know, had a, a great record this year, I, I don't think they're a complete team. Um, and, you know, Philly, I'm not sold on Hertz just yet. And I'm not Same. sure Philly, Philly is either because there's talk of Deshaun Watson and everything going there. And so, you know, I mean, he deserves to keep playing. Um, but, uh, and then obviously, you know, Washington, it feels like, you know, Washington, the, the one thing, sorry to get off on the tangent here, but <laughs> it's okay. the one thing about Washington, you know, you hear a lot of people talk about, you know, their year being disappointing. And a big part of that is their defense was so horrific early yeah. on in the year. And they were supposed to be a good, a very, very good defense. But the second thing is like, people kind of forget, like they went into the year, Fitzpatrick was their quarterback. That's what mm-hmm. was exciting. Um, now, obviously, Fitzpatrick is going to have games where he throws four interceptions. But in general, with Gibson and, and McLaurin and stuff, they, they and Thomas, they had, you know, uh, they could have had a nice explosive offense to go with what should have been a great defense, and, and that kind of faltered. So, um, and, you know, there's question marks there, too. So I, just, I think the Giants, there's a path for them to, uh, you know, to take that first step toward, you know, getting back up to the upper echelon. But right now, yeah, Buffalo in, in New York, Buffalo, it's it's hard to argue that they're not one of the top four teams probably for the next five years unless, you know, there's some drastic changes. Yeah, you know, when they brought over Sean McDerm- McDermott, I, I love that hire. And I was like, man, that's, that's such a good hire. Obviously, I didn't really know much about Brandon Bean or kind of any of the other, you know, people that, that he brought over. But it really seems like he's at least building the team the right way. And you kind of got to hope that, I guess, maybe using this to piggyback into the, the, the new New York Bills, uh, the New York Giants, um, <laughs> you, you kind of have to hope that Dayball learned a little bit from um, Sean McDermott on the right way to, to build a team and, and, you know, the right players that you're looking for. And, you know, obviously that'll come with some collaboration from the new GM as well. But I guess let's let's kind of transition this over to the new New York Giants. Uh, twenty, well, I guess twenty twenty two New York Giants is that what we're going to call yeah, them now. I suppose. So, I guess we'll start off with the GM Joe Joe Sheen. Um, do you know much about him? Uh, do you have any any insights on him? I know I do not. No. No. Okay. I mean, young guy. Um, you know, worked in the Carolina Panthers system for a little bit. Actually, started as a scout there, right out of. Uh, right out of grad school, I think, um, worked with, uh, McDermott a little bit, worked with Brandon Bean and Brandon Bean ended up bringing him over to, 
uh, Buffalo with him as the assistant and just learned. Uh, but he he handled a lot of um, draft day trades, a lot of um, roster building. He did a lot of like kind of like that veteran free agent signings. He handled a lot of those, maybe the you know back end of the roster. So I think he's going to come in with um, a lot of experience, but also some much needed youth that the Giants need. You know, it's been such a sure. such a kind of old franchise. It's it's felt like like the just the like Dave Gettleman. I feel like perfectly uh, showed what the Giants just felt like. I guess if that makes any sense. Okay. So old school with a lot of things and. And, you know, play calling showed that, coaching showed that. I mean, just kind of everything felt that way. So it really is bringing over some nice youth, I think, which is big. Some new perspective. like a, a break from the conservative kind exactly, of Exactly, yeah. And then also analytics, you know, bringing analytics over, which, you know, supposedly Giants have used a little bit, but um, I don't think that there's really a lot of truth to it, to be honest with you. I think it just kind of um, – and Judge has so, said a couple times that he, he goes by gut a lot of times, which – well, going, I think. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So you know, new GM uh, coming over from Buffalo, uh, and he brings over his coach too, Brian Dable. So I know you have a little bit of a uh, little bit insight on him, correct? Yeah. I mean, uh, watching watching you know the Bills is a, the team that other than Cincinnati, the team I watch the most for sure. Um, I see most of their games, um, and yeah, I think the biggest thing that makes this hire great. I think of all the, you know, of all the coaching hires that of all, I guess, nine of them at this point or, or so, uh, I think this, I think the Giants made the best hire personally, because you're giving, I mean, for starters, you're giving Jones that, that, that coach that dealt with Josh Allen playing uh, the, the similar, not necess- necessarily that Josh Allen and uh, Daniel Jones have the same exact skill set, but you know, you have talked about this before. I, I yeah, mean, I mean, the, the athletic ability, the, the ability to take that part of their you know, skill set and, and to implement that into an offense, um, I think is important. And I think that Dable showed that he knows how to do that well. Um, you know, Josh Allen, they, a lot of the uh, running quarterbacks, you'll see that, you know, play breaks down, they jet. And Josh Allen can do that, but there was a lot of nice design runs, even in the, the game against Kansas City uh, a few weeks ago. I mean, you see they hike it to him in the shotgun and pull the guard and pull the tackle, and he just got a train of six, five-plus dudes running at yep. you, and that's a smart <laughs> – that's smart. <laughs> that's – especially when you need three, four yards, I mean, that's tough for any defense to stop, and plus you got to account for that on any given play. Now, obviously, Jones, I don't – he's not quite the size and stature – um, that Allen is, but yeah, he's you probably know, got similar height, I, I bet, but he's not built like Josh Allen. Right. He's Josh not, Allen's he's not Wyoming bred. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just, I think that I can see some similarities there and I can see that maybe the, you know, the giants view that as a pathway to, if they're you know, looking that they're, you know, the hope is obviously you don't want to give up on Jones, but the hope is that that's, you know, you can transform him into anything like what Josh Allen has become. And, and in the beginning of their careers, as I told you, you know, before we started this, um, you know, Allen and Jones, both the first two years of their careers, very 
turnover prone, turnover heavy, trying to make too much happen when plays break down. And sometimes it was great, but other times you get knocked from behind and fumble. And other times Josh Allen, especially throwing off his back foot and, you know, he's got a cannon, but he's trying to throw it running backward, throwing off his back foot, 40 yards. That's just no, no fan or coach wants him throwing that ball. And he's, you know, he's adapted. He's, he's changed that behavior. And I think that Dable has got to be a big part of that. Um, is as much as Allen, you know, in his fourth year, uh, is gonna, you know, learn and continue to grow as a quarterback. I mean, having that offensive coordinator that's in your ear, that's with you every day at practice telling you how you need to adjust your game to be great. I think that that's going to be a big help to Jones and I, and even, beyond if if things don't work out with Jones no matter who else comes in there I'm and I'm sure they'll probably end up with a quarterback with a somewhat similar skill set I doubt they're going to draft a statue back there um yeah, that's not today's NFL anymore no, like. yeah yeah so uh, you know it's it's a good hire because I feel like Dable fits today's NFL quarterback and today's NFL pretty well yeah yeah you know one of the biggest things I liked about it and you know obviously you see the track record you see um you know, his work with Josh Allen, you see, you know, last year he, he basically had the Chargers job locked up until what's his name came in. Um, Staley. Yep. Staley came in and, and kind of blew him away. Um, so you see that other teams like him at least. And, and, you know, he's had offensive success. Um, and, and it sounds like too, he's willing to build an offense around what someone is successful at doing. And my point with that is, you know, day one, when he came into the building, Daniel Jones was one of the few players there, um, which that just shows kind of how Jones is, which, you know, you're a quarterback in the NFL. Maybe that's somewhat expected, I guess, if you will. But don't mind me burping here. No, Uh, I did at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, one of the things that I thought was really cool that was reported was, you know, Jones had a conversation with Dable and, and pretty much said, hey, what do you want me to work on? Um, you know, what plays do I want to start learning? What can I do? And, you know, as a good offensive coach or coordinator or head coach should say, Dable said, no, you give me a list of like five, 10, 15, 20 plays that you really like, that you feel really comfortable running, that we can build an offense around. Um, so I, I just think it's, it's, and maybe that's common. You know what I mean? Maybe that, maybe that's just sure. common. That's what's what a good NFL uh, coordinator or, or head coach or play caller is, is going to do um but i feel like we haven't had that man you know it feels like you know Shermer was a def- decent offense coordinator I, I won't say that he wasn't um but he was lacking in a lot of other areas and i don't think he had the staff around him to be successful with only focusing on the offense but it's just exciting to see you know a coach come in that already has a, a pretty good offensive mind willing to come in and adapt like he's not saying this is my offense this is my system you're going to learn my system or you're not going to be the quarterback here. He's, he's willing to, um, you know, kind of mold his offense around what Daniel Jones does good. And I'm not sitting here saying that Daniel Jones is going to be amazing and he's going to have this bounce back year and yada, yada. But it at least shows that if he's healthy and, and he can learn, you know, kind of learn the offense and, and succeed in, in what Dayball wants him to do and, and they can kind of mesh good together, that there's at least hope. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, it sounds like you're pretty much – he seems like the anti-Matt Nagy with Justin Fields. It's like 
Matt Nagy wouldn't change his offense. Justin nope. Fields had to adapt to it, and he's a totally different quarterback than Andy Dalton and, you know, or, well, even Trubisky before that. But, yeah, um, I think that I also heard, I think, Stefan Diggs after um, Dable was hired said something like, you know, he's he's a great guy. He's like, he feels like he's friendly with you, but, you know, he does it in a way that, like, it lets you know that he's still serious about it. Like, there's mm-hmm. a lot of coaches who can try to, you know, try to be really friendly with the players and you, you might lose respect for him with that. But Diggs had nothing but respect for him. So that's pretty good sign because, um, you know, he's obviously a veteran and been in the league, been with a lot of coaches. Well, actually not a lot of coaches himself, but um, yeah, I mean. Yeah, you know, Dable uh, to me was the number one choice. I think that uh, Joe Sheen had, had him in his headlight right from the start, n- knowing probably he was going to hire him even though, uh, you know, Brian Flores might not have liked to, heard, to have heard that, but uh, um, that's <laughs> maybe a conversation for a different day. Yeah, uh, Bella, Dan Belichick. <laughs> texting like a, a middle school girl, uh, LOL. Yeah, well, I mean, he's, well, he's like 80, <laughs> so what do you expect? You know, uh, never mind, never mind. We're not even going to get into yeah. it. Because that's, yep. We're just not going to do it. It's not going to do it. Um, I didn't want Flores regardless. You know, I just didn't think that he fit what we were trying to do here I don't I didn't think he was enough of a change I think he was very very much similar to Joe Judge and you know clearly that didn't work here so there had had to be some change I still really you know side note I I do still really like Joe Judge and and I I think man I just think he kind of another thing where maybe I I don't know I don't know if, if Gettleman was the issue if if ownership was the issue if I don't know. I just don't know what the issue was. It's just everything was the issue is what it feels like. Um, but I hope, you know, I hope nothing but, but, you know, success for him. And it sounds like he's probably sure. going back to the Patriots, I think is the last thing I heard, um, as an offensive assistant, which I find kind of interesting. But that's neither here nor there. So we'll get into the next hire. And, you know, I don't know how much you know about this guy, uh, but we hired our offensive coordinator is Mike Kafka, uh, who came over from the Kansas City Chiefs. He was Patrick Mahomes' quarterback coach. So he is the new OC. And, you know, what it sounds like, at least so far, is Dable probably will be still calling plays. Uh, but obviously, you got to love having, you know, that that guy to, to be the OC and, and work with Daniel Jones and hopefully help develop him. So any, any is, is Kafka, this is the quarterback from Northwestern from, like, is that who this oh, is? Man, I'm trying to remember. Know. Mike Kafka, that sounds right. The name does ring a bell, and I keep thinking I mean, Miami I'm a, I'm a Big reason. Ten. I'm a Big Ten, you know, football fan, and I'm pretty sure he's a quarterback for Northwestern, and they ran an up-tempo, a spread-style offense. So right. if that I'm, – I'm Googling it, so we'll, we'll find out in a second here. It's just weird because he feel, he graduated only, like, feels like five or six years yeah, ago. Yeah, he's young. He's, he's actually yeah. 30, he's 34 years old, um, so uh-huh. he's a year younger than I am. So Mike Kafka was drafted, in, yeah, Northwestern, yep, with yeah, okay. fourth round by the Philadelphia Eagles in 2010. Yeah, okay. Well, I guess it was more than six years ago. Jeez, time is flying. But um, I'm getting old, man. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that that it, I mean, again, I can't speak to his professional, you know, career, but I just I know the the offense he played in was some of Northwestern's best offense um, in the past 20 some years. Very, uh, you know, spread offense, very quick. Um, and, you know, I mean, that might work with the, the offensive weapons that the Giants do have. 
I mean, anything, anything like that that gives you a little edge, um, I think between that, – that probably meshes pretty well with Dable too. So Yeah, you know, you look at Patrick Mahomes and you look at um, Josh Allen and, and you see a lot of similarities in each of their games um, and, and think that, like, if they could just mold the quarterback between the two of those, well, yeah. that'd, be, that'd be really nice. Now, yeah. obviously, you know, as many people had, had to point out, you know, the, the Giants are bringing Josh Allen to the Giants and – they're not bringing Patrick Mahomes to the Giants. Yes, we know that. But, um, you know, it's two good offensive minds, it seems like, that, you know, have had success uh, working with, you know, prominent quarterbacks that I'm, I'm excited about it. You know, I, I definitely don't know a lot about Kafka either. You know, I won't sit here and say, hey, this is what he does and this is what, you know, what works and yada, yada. But you, you got to go off experience. You know, he's working with Mahomes. He's working with Andy Reid every day. Um, you know, their, their offensive coordinator there as well. So, What's his name? I can't even think of his name. The enemy. The enemy. Yep. Yep. Guy who, you know, I guess probably will never get a head coaching job. Granted, he has a lot of other baggage with him as well, too. I think if you if you know anything about that, but I don't. But Google, I'll have to Google it. Yeah, he he has a lot of kind of he has a checkered past. I guess we'll just leave it at that. And then you know, throw in the fact that from everything I've heard, he just he's horrible in interviews. Like he's not a good interviewer. Um, and I guess that kind of really worries, you know, these GMs and owners about, you know, his ability to lead men. Hmm. Uh, but that's a, that's a different, different topic for a different day. Um, anything else you want to add about Kafka or we'll, we'll just kind of get into the rest here. Uh, no, no, we can keep going. Okay. So next hires were, were Bobby Johnson, who's the offensive line coach for the, the bills now giants offensive line coach. Um, you know, my biggest thing with that is they, they, their offensive line's good. You know, they're, they're definitely decent. Um, and they, they've done a good job, too, finding some players that, that maybe were cast off for other teams' vets and were, were able to plug them in and, and kind of make that build's offensive line um, cohesive. Now, I don't know a lot about him either, but you know that there's already, you know, they already have a relationship with, with Shine, with, with Sheen, with Dable, with, you know, a lot of, a lot of the Bills. Yeah people that the Giants now have. So definitely happy about that. And they also brought over Shea Tierney, who um, was the assistant quarterback coach with the Bills. And now he's the Giants quarterback coach. So a lot of, a lot of. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing about that, that's interesting that, I mean, I guess I never really thought of, but you know, when you get into these coaches, assistant coach and everything, you can have disagreements. You can have people who might not see eye to eye, but the fact that these guys were all working together, and are now coming to work together again, it's probably going to make it easier for them to, yeah. you know, follow, you know, oh, this is what coach wants. This is what assistant coach wants, you know, on down the line. Um, I think that that probably is going to make that process easier for them. Their relationship is at least going to be good right from the beginning. Yeah. And it's kind of like stability in a sense where, yes, you're, you're bringing in a whole new system. You're bringing in, you know, everything new to a brand new team, but the coaches are already, they know each other, you know, and, right. and they already have a working relationship. And I think that'll, that'll definitely help. Um, last really offensive hire wise that we'll kind of talk about is Andy Bischoff, which I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm even pronouncing that right. Um, but he was a tight ends coach for the Texans, uh, but he was also the tight ends coach for the Ravens. And he worked pretty heavily with Mark Andrews, which I'm pretty excited about that. Sure. Now, I don't know what we have right now at tight end. You know, I'm, I'm kind of assuming Evan Ingram's going to be gone. Um, but that kind of makes you think that maybe we can find like a late round gem that um, 
that can maybe mold into like a Mark Andrews type. So yeah, yeah. I mean, that's another another exciting hire, to be honest. Yep. Last, um, you know, that we'll get into with the Giants here, and then maybe we'll talk about the Bengals a little bit. Um, last hire that we've had is Wink Martindale uh, as our defensive coordinator. Um, we let Patrick Graham. I, I wouldn't say we let him go, but we we gave him the right to explore another job, but let him know that if he was going to stay, he would be our defense coordinator. Um, he did end up accepting a job. Where did he go? Did he go to the Raiders, right? I do not know. Yeah, I, I don't know why I'm blanking on this. I literally was just looking at this. I'm pretty sure he went to the Raiders, and uh, let, let's just double-check that while I uh, have a moment. Um, but he, he took a, 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 the same position, yeah, with the Raiders. Yep, he's a defensive coordinator for the Ravens. Uh, Raiders. Why he went there, I don't really know. It seems kind of like a weird change, but um, I, you know, obviously there's probably relationships with McDaniel's and maybe maybe some bitterness, I guess, with the Giants with firing Judge. I'm not sure, um, but he right. did have the the ability to stay and and kind of build off the success he's had. Um, I was really interested in that because I was I really wanted to see the defense um, without without Judge's fingers in it. I wanted to see if it would stay. Um, conservative and, and right. you know, kind of that covered to sh- soft shell, or would he really go back to what he was supposed to be, which was like an attacking, um, you know, man-to-man tight defense, bringing pressure all over the place. He just never did it. Um, so right. I was really interested in that, but obviously we brought over Wink Martindale. Supposedly he's bringing Rob Ryan with him. Any thoughts on that? Mm. No, I guess not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, the thing with, with that hire, you know, it was kind of a, you know, they had a mutual release, I guess, with the Ravens, so I don't really know what happened there. Uh, but, you know, the Ravens always had a good defense. Um, sure. Hit you in the mall. Um, a lot of experience there, and, and he was up for a head coaching position a couple times. I think he, he may have actually interviewed with the Giants before uh, Judge got hired. I could be wrong on that, but um, whatever. Um a lot of experience there, uh, some familiarity with, with Dable, I believe. Um, and then you bring over like Rob Ryan too, who I don't know what he's going to do. Maybe he'll be uh, like a defensive assistant or maybe he'll coach linebackers or something like that. But that, that's one thing that excites me that we have, you know, kind of this offensive mind in Dable. And then we have Link Martindale, who has a lot of experience already as a defensive coordinator. And I think he can really kind of take over the defense and make it his own and, and hopefully you know, keep building off the success that Patrick Graham had and get better. Yeah. I mean, Martindale, definitely all the, the, the Ravens very disciplined too, Mm -hmm. is another thing um, that will be good to bring over. You know, I mean, I I'm seeing a a lot of teams in the past couple of weeks, um, like the, the Raiders were the most penalized team. And I remember when Cincinnati was playing them. Yeah. And just like you, that's just stuff that you, it just kills you for no reason. So having a guy who is, you know, good at crafting defenses that stay disciplined is going to be helpful. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, you know, let's, let's get off the giants topic a little, obviously I could talk all day about the giants and, you know, definitely have high hopes for everything kind of moving forward. I think we're headed in the right direction, but let's talk about the Super Bowl. Let's do it. Yeah, Yeah, man. So obviously uh, we, we have the Rams against the Bengals and, you know, I guess the first thing I'll bring up because I find this kind of interesting, there's a couple of ex giants on the, uh, on the Bengals. And I, I kind of want to get your take on them. And, and, you know, do you have any opinions on these players? And 
let's do it this way. Your first impression or like even your first thought that comes to your head and uh, let me know what you think. Okay. Okay. Gonna be weird. Don't, don't mind it. I know I'm kind of throwing a curveball at you here. All right. And really there's only two that I want to do this with and you probably know who they are, but we'll start off with BJ Hill. Um, I mean, well, he had a great play in the last game. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's been disruptive. Um, and, you know, I think, especially with Joby going down for the, you know, the remainder of the year, um, having a guy that can just be disruptive inside, I guess, for lack of a better word, because you said first, first word, first thought. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's done what he's been asked to. I mean, I think in that, uh, the second half of that Kansas city game, you know, when we were just bringing three a lot, um, you know, we're, when we're cycling guys in and out, cause when you, when you only got three guys pressuring, they're going to get tired after Mahomes is sitting there for three, four seconds. Um, and you got five linemen or whatever, pushing them out. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's been energetic and just, yeah, it's, it's nice to have a guy like that along with reader and Ogunjobi and stuff, just being disruptive. <laughs> That's yeah. the word. That's the word. Hey, it's a good word. So, okay. Next we'll say Eli Apple. Yeah. So Apple, <laughs> I, I'm going to go with opportunistic. Um, I think I knew I knew he was coming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, there's been some times throughout the year that Eli Apple has done Eli Apple things, um, as I'm sure you know. Oh, yeah. But, but he also, you know, he's made some some great plays uh, for us as well, um, mainly getting some interceptions toward the second half of the year. Um, and just kind of yeah, him and, and Hilton and Awuzie, who are all three – weren't on the team. Uh, well, actually, uh, and Hilton were ads this past season. Yeah. Awuzie came from Dallas and Dallas, Hilton came yeah. from Pittsburgh, I think. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so they, they both, all three of them have been good at getting turnovers, good at making big plays. Um, you know, sometimes other than Awuzie has been very good overall, um, from, from my, at least recollection from watching the games, I, you know, do a deep dive on film or anything, but from watching the games, it seems like he's just always at least where he needs to be. Um, yeah. Sometimes with Hilton and, and Apple, it's, you know, they get, they get out of position, but they both have made plays that have helped us obviously get here. Yeah. Um, Hilton, Hilton uh, against, you know, Tennessee popping the ball up in the air and getting that interception uh, when Tennessee was get had a lot of momentum, momentum and was going into score. Yep. So um, Yeah. I mean, definitely opportunistic and, and, you know, Stafford, while he's no spring chicken, he's prone to making some dumb passes and you never know. Um, I could see, I could certainly see Eli Apple getting an interception in the Super Bowl. How's that? that How's that sound? What's that? Is that a prediction? Uh, no, I'm not going to go that bold. <laughs> I, I, I will say that one of Hilton, UCA, or Apple, I'll say I'll go with that bold one. I can see one of them picking them off. Okay. okay. Um, Stafford sometimes just does random weird things where you're like, what is like, kind of like Eli used to do. There was always like a play where Eli, we just like, what, what are you doing? And I feel like Stafford right. has one of those plays a game. Um, and, and, you know, if a defense can make a play on it, then. Yeah, I mean, and that's the, the other thing is that, you know, as a Bengals fan, I, I'm 
I'm pretty surprised at how well our defense has actually caught interceptions. We've had a lot of balls that pop up in the air. And, and again, my, my dad's a, a Bills fan, and he's talked about this for years. If, there is, if you throw a pass against the Bills and it pops up in the air or something, they're catching it. Their defensive backs and are just always catching the ball for some reason. And for years, you know, the, the, the Bengals, like most teams, their defensive players just sometimes had stone hands. It just happened. Yep. But they're making the plays uh, during at least certainly this postseason run, and hopefully that continues. Yeah. So, okay, two more names here for you. Um, and I don't honestly know if these guys are really having much of a role right now. So you might not even know who they are. I don't know. Uh, but we'll say Chris Myrick, uh, who's the tight end. Um, he was with the Giants for a little while this year, uh, but he's on your roster now. Hmm. Um, you Do you know when he – Uzama thing or – Yeah, it, it might be because certainly like we – Uzama and Sample are the, the main tight ends that we have used. Um, and you have Thaddeus need... Moss, I think, in your roster too, right, still? Yeah, um, and, and the, I feel like – only really Uzama and Sample, you're going to hear their names doing much because anyone else that comes in is mainly going to be for blocking purposes, really. Because yeah. Uzama is, he's actually turned out to be a pretty good tight end, especially after the catch he threw out this year. I mean, he's had ups and downs. A lot yeah. of games, he's like two catches for 15 yards or whatever. But, you know, when he does get the ball and has any bit of space, he's, you know, a tight end. He's hard to bring down. But, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure about uh, about the bad guy, to be honest. Right, might be just because, yeah, the, yeah, the injury. He, he, honestly, he might, might might have only been on, on the roster for a little bit, or you know, maybe he just got signed. I should say, not really sure. Um, last one is Michael Thomas, safety. Okay, so we have two Michael Thomases then. Why did um, you two? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's actually a funny story about that. Is in the off season, my dad, my dad, men calls me up or whatever. He's like, oh, I see the Bengals. I think he said re-signed Mike. Michael Thomas and in our Michael Thomas offensively, I think goes by Mike Thomas and maybe it's for this reason, but like, and I was like, Michael Thomas, like of the saints. And, and obviously that would have been a pretty terrible signing for this year because he had yeah. to play, but um, yeah, safety, Michael Thomas. I definitely, I know he's been in some games. I don't think he's made any, any big plays that I can recall. Um but, you know, like I said, the, the other defensive backs have all been just making some pretty opportunistic and uh, big plays. So it's possible that, you know, if it is, yeah, if safety, I mean, Von Bell and Jesse Bates have both been phenomenal. Um, they have been I, too. Yeah. I feel awesome. like if you, I feel like if they like redid the, you know, all pro team, one, if not both of them might be at least in consideration. I mean, I'm sure they're consideration, but they've, they both, and, and we're talking guarding Kelsey, guarding Kittle. I mean, they did a terrible job against Kittle like six weeks ago or eight weeks ago, whenever that was. But, you know, they, they held Kelsey pretty well. And I'm trying to, I mean, Waller um, only recently too. So, yeah, um, you know, they usually have one of them guarding you know, the, these great tight ends. Other than that, they're, you know, out there. And uh, I believe on that interception that Mahomes threw in overtime, I think pretty sure it was Bates that tipped the ball and it was Bell that had the interception. So both of them were in on that play, if I recall correctly. I know Bell had the interception, but yeah. So, I mean, 
any extra safety help is great, but the two of them have been playing so well that Thomas, I'm, I'm just not sure has been in a ton. He probably hasn't. And, and even, you know, with the giants, I think he kind of like started and in, in when we kind of got like some younger guys involved and stuff, he kind of started taking a backseat. He was more of like a character guy, I think like a good locker room guy. Um, but yeah, another one that, you know, I wasn't really even sure like what his role was, you know, with the team. So, um, I'm throwing some tough ones at you, so I apologize. Yeah, that's um, fine. <laughs> last well, yes, player, I mean, last player I want to ask you about before we really kind of get into the game is Logan Wilson, um, linebacker out of Wyoming. Um, he was a guy, you know, for the Giants that I really wanted in that 2020 draft. Obviously, we didn't take him. Um, any any insights on him? How's he been for you guys? Um, and and kind of how has he meshed into that defense? Because I think he's playing a pretty big role now, right? Oh yeah, uh, I love him. Yeah. Uh, he's awesome. He's a player um, to love. I mean, yeah. Yeah, he's just a, an everywhere type of linebacker. And I, I cannot recall, you know, I mean, we had another everywhere type of linebacker uh, like six, seven years ago, uh, Fontes Perfect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, he, but he did not adapt to the league. I can't recall like one personal foul or one really bad play that Wilson's had. Um, he, yeah, he really has been the glue for our linebackers as far as I'm concerned. And, yeah, I mean, he had that uh, tipped interception and against the Titans and to, you know, get us the ball back and set McPherson up for the game winner. And, yeah, he's he's been great. Uh, definitely, definitely missed out on that one for yeah. you guys. Yep. How, is, um, how impressive has McPherson been for you guys? Because, I mean, he just – how he's come into the league is unprecedented, I feel like. Like, you just don't see that. Yeah, you know, the – the weirdest thing is that, you know, kickers in general, you know, are going to be, well, great kickers. They, they have their great moments and then they sometimes have like lulls or, or bad periods. Mm-hmm. And Mason Crosby is a perfect example of that. He's had a couple of them now. And McPherson in that game earlier this year against the Packers, he missed like three field goals. I want to say in the last, between the last two minutes and overtime that, you know, I mean, I think one of them was like 57 and one was like 47 or something. So we're, we're not talking, you know, cheapies here, but yeah. that was like the only time that it seemed like I was worried about them. Um, and yeah, the, the playoffs, it's just, it's nice to, to see players playing with this type of swagger. Like he's kickers don't act like he's been acting, you know, calling no, the shot stuff like that. It's it and you know and he looks like he's like 16 or whatever like he you know he has to get a ride at the stadium or something. It's like him and Burrow could be like uh, college roommates right now or, or be yeah high school science partners or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It's it's. I mean, it's it's great to have you know a kicker that's just in the zone and you know obviously the Super Bowl is the biggest stage, but. You know, kicking those last two kicks to get us to the Super Bowl, those were everything, too. It was all on the line, um, and he nailed those ones. So I feel pretty confident with him going into uh, going into the Super Bowl for sure. Yeah, so let's get into the actual game because I know we've really only been kind of talking about players. Um, you know, how unprecedented, I guess, was this this run for you as a fan? And what do you – what do you – I feel like it's a tough game. You know, it's a game where probably the, the Rams are favored. Um, but, but what do you see? Um, what do you see as like some, some things for the, for the Bengals to take advantage of, you know, are there any, any strengths that you see that they can kind of exploit 
Um, and and kind of just what do you what would you attack? I guess. Well, you know, we've had the, the good news is being the underdog in this, and I think just overall people would definitely say that the Rams have a more talented roster, you know, top to bottom. Yeah. Um, and I think that having two weeks to prepare for that is actually really beneficial for us um, because we know, we know their strengths. We know Cooper cup offensively is well, virtually unstoppable. And we know that Aaron Donald and Von Miller are going to get great pressure. We know, you know, Ramsey's Ramsey. Um, he's going to have his good plays and, you know, fingers crossed, he's going to get uh, beat maybe a time or two, but, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I think, the thing that I most want out of this is I want us to, you know, be smart about how we approach our offense. Um, I think one of the biggest, you know, arguments or biggest talking points of the game against Kansas city was early on. We just kept trying to run on first down, kept trying to run, kept trying to run and get, you know, two yards with Mixon and Mixon is a guy, actually, it reminds me much like Saquon. I feel like, in the second half, it feels like when he's humming, it feels like he's a better running back than early on in the game, to me, at least. Um, and so the issue there is that our offense as a whole seems to be better in the second half. But I want us to go with some short passes would be my dream um, for three reasons. I thought about this question quite a bit. Um, <laughs> number one, it's the Super Bowl. You, I kind of want to get Burrow in rhythm with some easy throws. Just don't make it too complicated. Don't make him throwing into tight windows. Don't make him holding the ball long and throwing deep downfield because they'll get after him. And we don't want – the last thing you want is Burrow to take a hit early and, well, obviously get injured, but take a hit early and fumble or just even, you know, get that crowd riled up that Donald gets a sack on the first drive and it's like third and 20 or something like that. That's that's the last thing that you want. So. I think in a perfect world for me, I would send Chase deep quite a bit and make them have to play a little off and let Boyd and Higgins control the middle of that field and Uzama if he's able to go, which sounds like he will be, but yeah, it's, it's kind of sound, sounding like he will be. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I just feel like we do have too many offensive weapons for them to stop them all. I know that it's just a matter of, are we going to be smart enough on any given play to find the right guy? Um, because we're not going to have that much time with Donald and, and Miller coming in and, you know, they got just great, great defensive uh, front. So I, I would like to, so aside from getting Barone rhythm, the second thing is early on in the game, if we're wasting energy from Miller and Donald, if they keep rushing and getting double teamed and getting to Burrow and the ball's already out, if that keeps happening over and over, they're going to get a little tired. I mean, they're great athletes. Don't get me wrong, but every play just like push, 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 run, get your way through there, make, you know, you know, swim through and get there and the ball's just out. And if that happens over and over, it's discouraging, especially if they're, you know, caught and you're getting first downs and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then the third thing obviously is if we are completing passes around eight to 15 yards or so, they're going to start to probably creep up and that's going to allow chase for those deep balls. That's going to open that up. So I think the best way to attack them is to go those short passes, quick passes. But the thing I worry about is, you know, McVeigh is a smart guy and he knows Taylor well. And I guess I'm just worried about the chess match of McVeigh going, I think they're going to go with short passes yeah. So I'm not even going to bring a lot of pressure. They're going to think we are, but we're not. We're going to pull our guys back. 
And, you know, anything like that, it's kind of like what we did to Mahomes two weeks ago, kind of throws you off when there's extra defenders out there. And it, you know, kind of messes with what you were planning on doing. So it's going to be interesting, but that's, I, I would just hate for us either to run it up the middle a bunch of times and get a few yards or try these long pass plays, play action plays really early and leave Burrow susceptible to getting hit. Yeah. Um, you just don't, I don't want the momentum early for, for the Rams. I think, you know, if we can go into the, if we can go into the half with it being like a tie game or really close to, I think that we're probably going to win Yeah. Um, because we play so much better in the second half. Now there's that stat that I guess McVay is like 40 and one when he's leading at the half or whatever. So I guess hopefully we're tied at the half. Um. <laughs> so two things I'll say, um, and I, I just randomly thought about the second one. So I, I guess I'll lead with that one. This almost to me seems like a like money ball versus like spending money game, like money ball being the Oakland, uh, Oakland uh, A's, Cincinnati Bengals who don't really have like a lot of superstars that they've gone after. They've kind of drafted right the right way uh, with, you know, Burrow and, and Chase and Logan Wilson and, and kind of all these players. And then you have the Rams who straight really haven't drafted anyone other than, than maybe Donald. Um, but they've really gone after trades. They've gone after free agents. They've gone after quarterbacks, you know, like their whole roster just almost seems like bought, you know what I mean? Like, like okay. just keep pushing money into the future. Does it right. feel that way to you or am I just like way off based on that? I mean, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel what you're saying. Cause you know, again, random, living, like no living in, living in New York, obviously that reminds me of the Yankees of the early two thousands. Yeah. Stuff like that. I get where you're coming from. The only difference in, you know, this isn't meant to be a slight on the Rams, but you know, the Yankees those years were winning like a hundred games. They were winning world series. The Rams were fourth in the NFC. You know, True. they weren't, they weren't the top. They weren't second. They weren't third. They were fourth. And, you know, if Arizona would have won their last game, they would have been fifth and they would have been going to Arizona to play them. So, um, you know, they, they kind of limped to the finish line. And now OBJ, uh, to go into a former Giants there, I mean, he's recently been really playing well. And yeah, that's has. definitely a problem because Cup is uh, like – the other thing is having two weeks, like I, I just, I'm, I'm sick of Cooper Cup dominating. I want us to double team, just double team him, make Stafford hike the ball, look at him and go up. Oh, he's double teamed and have to throw to someone else every play. Um, because, you know, I like, I can say this now and I probably will feel differently during the game, but if we lose because Van Jefferson scores two touchdowns, I, I would rather have that right now than cop going off for 12 for 202 and two touchdowns yeah we didn't know he's the issue and you got yeah, we know then against that you gotta stop cup and i know it's easier said than done but you know it's just first of all i mean belichick will tell you this you can stop him if you want to it's just you're gonna leave other guys open so 100 yeah. um yeah so and then the other thing i was gonna bring up here is to me you know and, and maybe this is just my life and, and kind of how everything has gone with, with the giants, it really almost has like an 07 giant feel, you know, kind of like, kind of like the underdog team, the team that, um, you know, even throughout the whole playoffs, like no one really expected you guys to win. Um, and he kind of just kept beating teams that really no one thought you were going to beat. And then, you know, here you are against the Rams who, yeah. Okay. You know, maybe they're not the number one team in the NFC, but they're still, 
yeah. I, I feel like heavily house. favored, you know. Yeah. It's not sure. the New England Patriots of, of 07, obviously, right. or, or anything like that. But it just still has that same feel, kind of like the underdog, the the young quarterback at the time, and, and kind of this young team. Uh, not a bunch of, like, high-priced free agents. You know, I don't know. That's just yeah. kind of the feel I get from it. Does that feel like that to you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was definitely going to – I meant to mention that, like, earlier. Is, yeah, it does – it. Like, just like with the Giants. David Goliath, you know. Yeah, it's that kind of idea of you just need to get in the playoffs and anything can happen. And, I mean, you know, it sounds cliche or whatever, but, you know, we – even though we were the four seed, you know, it's kind of like – I think everyone thought Buffalo or Kansas City, whoever's winning that game. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people probably feel like they wanted that to be to go to the Super Bowl. Um, You know, even if, you know, if we hadn't been – winning if we hadn't made the playoffs or whatever um i would have loved to see you know buffalo kansas city to decide i would have been rooting for buffalo but um nothing against kansas city it's just they've been there you know twice in a row or whatever so same yeah i would yeah, I'd like to see new blood and, plus and Mahomes brothers brother annoying oh yeah i uh, <laughs> i don't i don't know anything about that i'm not a tiktok guy and that's exactly Me either, why. but like, it still it still comes around oh god yeah it, no I, the fact that i even have to hear about it once is infuriating like <laughs> Who cares about some man dancing? <laughs> Who has ever cared about a man dancing? I don't get it. Anyway, um, so yeah, um, I, I just it it feels like I think initially I thought the spread was going to be like two and a half um, because you know the Rams haven't been you know dominating anybody really except for Arizona they did, but the last two games came down to a field goal uh, right toward the end of the game so. Um, you know, I figured two and a half seems pretty good, especially because I, I figured that a lot of people might look at the Bengals having just be Kansas City in Kansas City. And, you know, a lot of the public money, I'm sure, might have went on Cincinnati. But now, considering it was you know four, four and a half, it's up to now. Um, maybe that's even more so. I don't know. I just it feels to me like if the Rams are winning by. 10 say or even 10 or 11 you know toward the end of the game it feels like the Bengals are going to score a touchdown um just I'm not sure that they'll you know be able to surmount the whole comeback but um yeah it feels like it's going to be a close game and both these teams have been winning by field goals the last two weeks so um I wouldn't be surprised if that happened again um and I mean, if it comes down to that, I'm glad we have McPherson. Uh, you know, Matt Gay looked a little rusty um, this past couple of weeks. I mean, I feel like he totally botched a 50 yard, some 54 yarder last week. And then the week before that, I think he shorted a 48 yard field goal, which is very bizarre. Yeah. Um, that Especially really... today's NFL. Yeah. Um, Must have, I don't know, something weird going on there, but that's kind of like going into the Super Bowl. I mean, he's obviously an experienced kicker, so I don't necessarily think he's going to choke, but you never know. I mean, something like that, if he's going in with any lack of confidence in a game this important, if, you know, game's on the line and he's got to kick a 50 yarder, I mean, I'd feel more confident with McPherson back there. That's all. So, yeah. So, you know, for me looking at this game, you know, it almost sounds cliche too, but I, I feel like the Rams are going to be overconfident. Um, you know, I think that, you know, had you asked any, any Rams fans, which I don't, I don't know a lot of, um, 
but they have to be pretty happy they aren't playing, you know, the the Bills or the Kansas sure. Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. So, so for me, as far as the Bengals, you know, defense is playing well for the Bengals. I mean, I, you have to make a statement. You have to start off strong. You have to kind of punch them in the face a little bit, and um, you know, kind of catch them off guard a little bit. You know, now it, it's obviously it's cliche, and, and maybe the Rams aren't taking anyone lightly, and and yada yada, but uh, I think that you know. You want to be tied. You want to be up three or maybe, you know, down three at half, you know, somewhere around there. You want to keep it close, you know, kind of control the control the ball. Obviously, the short passes might help in that. And maybe that'll help open up the run game and, and maybe get get a little bit of, a, you know, some deep shots to, to chase or something like that. But I, I think, like, a big key to this is really, like, starting off strong. And I could be wrong on this, but, like, has it been the Bengals? have played a little bit better in the second half. Is that what you were saying earlier? Yeah, it's been, it's pretty remarkable how much better they've played in the second half. I mean, I would, I would assume if you took the whole league and looked at their second half scoring and subtracted their first half scoring, the Bengals would probably have one of the highest numbers because they just score. They just seem to play a lot better in the second half. And, you know, and part of that I attribute to, and this is just me kind of speculating, but I've also noticed it a little bit. It feels to me like, in the beginning of the games, Burrow takes more sacks. He ha- He's kind of feeling out the defense, seeing yeah. where they're bringing pressures from. And then when it gets to be the second half, he's learned it. And that's why last week you saw – or, well, you know, a week and a half ago or whatever, you saw him on a couple third downs, like, skirt out and get out of the pocket and move. And, you know, I mean, he's not a, a great runner, especially after the surgery. But, I mean, he's also not, like – I don't know, Mac Jones or something like that. Like he, he, he used to, he used to be, you know, before the, the injury last year, I mean, he was a pretty mobile guy and, and his poise in the pocket and his ability to kind of sense that stuff and slide around it. I mean, I've heard, you know, commentators mention Brady's name in that uh, as far as just pocket awareness and type of thing. And, and that's important, especially if you had a knee injury like that, because the last thing you want is some guy rolling on the ground and to hit you weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but he seems to, mentally he's got all the tools for sure um and yeah i can i can attribute that second half you know success to the fact that i think i think he learns he's like some kind of supercomputer like he takes all this data in and like goes you know figures it out it's like they are blitzing more on the left and it's like you know he can kind of just tell stuff and you know figures it out i don't know but um, yeah, it's it's been exciting to watch him. Even though, like I told you beforehand, I I don't think he's played as good as people have kind of been talking about in these playoffs. Um, he's made his fair share of plays, especially for again the first full year. But you know, he is like 25 and he's experienced. So um, I'm glad he's just playing with confidence and swagger because as much as it's it worries me a little bit as far as like I. I you know, I'm always one of those people that I would rather have my team seem like an underdog and, you know, maybe fall a little short than seem like, you know, oh, we're the best, we're the best, and then lose. Like, that's yeah. just demoralizing. So, yep. you know, this it feels like things are getting inflated a little bit for him recently, um, but that's my opinion. I think Burrow loves it. I think he is actually getting more confident and playing better uh, because of, all the you know the talk about it so we'll see but um yeah so two two more things here and then we'll we'll end this and we're we're going a little bit longer 
uh, than anticipated. Not a huge deal, obviously, but it's a Super uh, Bowl, you know. Hey, yeah. So, <laughs> beginning of the year, um, did you see this as a possibility? Did you did you think that this was going to happen? That you kind of had this run, and, and now you're in the Super Bowl. Um, and and you know, what were your realistic expectations for this year? So before the season started, I, my, you know, my, before week one, my dad went to casino, was placing some bets and I wanted to put down a hundred on the Bengals making the playoffs. And it was, I believe it was 20 to one, but unfortunately our casino didn't take, just make the playoff bets. They had like make the Super Bowl or something, uh, but that would have been, that would have been a nice, you know, two grand there. Um, but no, I mean, I definitely didn't see the Super Bowl as a possibility this this early in Burrow's career and especially the, the offensive line I knew wasn't great. They've actually played the kind of worse than I thought they were going to. Uh, and then the defense was still kind of a question mark. I didn't think the defense was going to be bad, but I thought it would be middle of the road. And, and for the most part, they were. But again, uh, they've been pretty opportunistic, especially in the playoffs. Um, you know, we, we benefited a lot from the the Ravens having just so many injuries, especially in their, their secondary. Um, yep. They just couldn't guard anyone. It might as well have been you and I out there trying to guard like Stefan Diggs or something like that. Like it was a joke for them. Um, and then, and, you know, Cleveland, uh, I'll give Mayfield credit for playing through what he's playing through, but he obviously was hurting his team being out there because yeah. just he couldn't do it. Um, and then, you know, Roethlisberger, yeah, uh, he's obviously was on his last legs. So, I mean, we got pretty lucky with the division. We were supposed to have one of the better divisions and it ended up being pretty mediocre. So that definitely helped. But yeah, I I could see us beating the Raiders and beating the Titans. I could see both of those just because I knew Henry was coming back for his first game. And I knew, you know, it, it was, they probably weren't going to pound him 30 times in his first game back. Um, but definitely didn't see us beating the Chiefs didn't, or, or if it would have been the Bills. Uh, either way, I mean, I figured we'd need, you know, another year to retool. Um, and even if we would have lost against the Chiefs, I, I kind of feel like it was the good thing about a team like our situation is that our our deficiency is so clear in the offensive line. Like, it's good when you have one glaring weakness because now we can go address that. And in the offseason, I'm hoping we spend money because we got – 58 million in cap room um, and we're not losing too many people. We got Boyd Higgins and Chase under contract for quite some time, Mixon under contract for quite some time, Burrow. So the whole offense is set. We just can address the line. And that's a good, a good thing to at least know what your weakness is. But now, you know, here we are in the Super Bowl, which yeah, definitely, definitely shocked for sure. Last question. And this is the big one. Any predictions for okay. the game? Mm. Um, hmm. You don't this have to tough, answer it. Like, I, I definitely have thoughts, but <laughs> I'm one of those people who I, I don't want to jinx anything. You know, I don't want my juju out there. I, bad juju. Um, I kind of think, I mean, usually Super Bowls are lower scoring than you expect. You know, that's what they say. I've been looking at a lot of like the prop bats and stuff and I'm, I'm not going to make any, but I'm hoping that my wife will just so she'll kind of be more invested in the game. Like, <laughs> Oh, he's got four catches. You know, it's something. it's something. Um, I, 
I expect it to be pretty tough for both quarterbacks. Um, I Not that I don't think that either of them could get to like 300 yards or whatever, but I do see – I think both will have at least one turnover. Um, I think that – I think it might be higher scoring than, than, than we expect. I originally, um, I was – I like to guess – spreads and over-unders and stuff and I was thinking about what the over-under was would have been before I looked at it and I was thinking 27-23 sounds like what this game could be and either team could win 27-23 and that's over under 50 which is what it started as and it's it's gone down since then um and I think a lot of that is people being smart enough to know Super Bowls generally are lower scoring yeah uh, than you expect because the nerves hit early on is more of a what the hell just happened? Um, and then you really get into the games. So um, I'm going to say, let's see. I have a backup for you. Uh, you don't I'll wait. predict that Chase scores that. a touchdown. I'll, I'll go out there and say that. Okay. So, so I'll I just got... say that. I'll say that one. I'll say that. I think both quarterbacks will have a turnover, and I think Chase will score a touchdown. So my backup was going to be, if it's a one-score one, one game, who's winning that? And if it's a two-score game, who's winning that? Well, that was going to be my back. Uh, okay. Um, to help her? I think if to, sure, sure. Oh, yeah, that, that's this, – yeah, this, this is an easier one to answer, I think, because I think just logic would say that if it's a two-score game, the Rams are probably going to win. Um, I think – they have a good enough defense that if they're up by two scores with like four minutes left, they could still get pressure even without sending, you know, even without blitzing, they could still get pressure and force Burrow into some tough throws and just turn over on downs or force an interception or something. And then they take over and just kind of run the clock out. That's a believable scenario. Um, and if they, if it's a one score game, I don't know. I'm going to say Cincinnati uh, because of McPherson. Um, I can see this again, coming down to a field goal. And the one thing that I've noticed over the you know past couple of games is that uh, Zach Taylor has been pretty good at monitoring the clock, which is something that I do religiously. Um, and as an example, you know, Patrick Mahomes gets 13 seconds and can go 44 yards or whatever. Um, that's obviously a ridiculous example, but the point is great teams and those pressure situations can do more than you expect. So you want to give as little time as possible. Um, like the first time we played Kansas city, we had that weird, I don't know if you remember this. We had that weird drive at the end of the game where we had like first and goal from the five and we took off like two straight minutes of clock, just running and then running and then running. And then they had a penalty and then we just kept running it all the way down because we didn't want to give Mahomes any seconds. Yep. And we got a you know, field goal right at the end. And so I'm hoping that those clock management skills come in in the end and we can just make sure we have the ball last. Because yeah. if we have the ball last and, and it's a, you know, a, a game we could win if it's tied or we're down by three or whatever, I think we're going to win. I, th- I trust Burrow enough at that point. But, you know, if we have the ball last and we're down 14, obviously that's not going to matter. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I – I think that that if it's a one score game, I think that it'll probably be McPherson, you know, kicking a field goal to win or something like that. Nice. But, but you like never it. know. I mean, it could anything could happen. So yeah. Hey man, well, uh, you know, thanks for joining me. Thanks for coming on. Um, any any last minute remarks? Any any closing statements for you? 
Uh, no, um, I, this was awesome. Uh, I've wanted to, I've wanted to do a podcast of any sort for a long time, uh, whether it's me just ranting and doing like, would you rather questions with my dad? <laughs> because, you know, you know him. And if I ask weird, would you rather is like, if I say anything about eating a booger to him, he's like, ah, what the hell? <laughs> and I just think having that recorded and having that for people's listening pleasure would be funny. But um, yeah, sports is obviously an easy one to talk about too. And I know, you know, your stuff and, you know, and I, you know, I'm obviously not a Giants fan, but you know, I root for them because I, I got no teams in the NFC and I got a lot of Giants you know, friends who are Giants fans. So I'm glad you had me on and, you know, hopefully uh, we can do a, another one of these, you know, uh, and I can have like a Super Bowl champion, like fake ring or something I can get, I get some fake bling and, Maybe a New Jersey or something. I can wear that on and be real obnoxious. Hey, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Hey, Scott. Well, thanks for coming on, man. It was a pleasure. Um, you know, definitely enjoyed having you on. And, and part of the reason I wanted you on, not only the fact that you're a Bengals fan, but also because I know you're an NFL fan and I know you love the game and you're knowledgeable. So, uh, you know, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, we'll go from there, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, thanks for anyone who's still listening an hour and a half in. I, I probably <laughs> yeah, rambled quite fun. a bit, but it is what it is, you know. I, again, Bengals fan. I don't get. I get to do this every thirty <laughs> years, so you know. And I'm thirty-five, so this is the first time I've done it. <laughs> there you go. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Um, appreciate you, you sticking with us here and listening. Um, we'll probably have another episode here, maybe after the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, we'll go from there. Let's freaking go.